You're listening to Forward Progress, Inspiring Change, a podcast centered around conversations about racism and discrimination. This episode is focused on Gardy Paul. Gardy has been one of the funniest and most authentic people I've met on the football team. His, his laughter and constant joy is so contagious, and it really is incredible how he chooses joy when going through hardships. And coming from Haiti, Gardy has quite the experience and background. Now, I knew Gardy's story was pretty remarkable, but I didn't know to what extent until our conversation. From his upbringing in Haiti, to enduring the 7.2 magnitude Haitian earthquake in 2010, to moving to America and encountering significant profiling by police, and now to his college days at IWU, Gardy has been through it all. Most of all, he is sharing his story and impacting countless lives. Here's the story of Gardy Paul. So to start off, go ahead and just introduce me to yourself. I know, I mean, obviously I know who you are. But for the people listening, give me your name, your hometown, family. I mean, just anything kind of like demographic wise that you feel like people should know about you. Yeah. Uh, my name is Gardy Paul. Um, I grew up in Naples, Florida, but uh, I was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, I came here when I was uh, 12 years old. So it's kind of that about me. And uh, I just kind of grew up in two different cultures, you would say. Uh, the the Haitian culture and just co- just coming from there and having to adjust to like the American culture, so it's been great learning from both cultures. And so, so you you were born in Haiti. Yeah. And how long did you live in Haiti before you came to? to did you go straight from Haiti to Naples? Yeah. So, okay. uh, I spent twelve years in Haiti. So I came here at the age of twelve, then uh, went to Naples, Florida. Uh, lived there. Been living. I'm still living in Naples, Florida right now. Then uh, kind of went back and forth from uh, Florida to when I had to go to college. I went to Malone University in Canton, Ohio. Then uh, when our football program got shut down and just kind of make the transitioning to come to Indiana Wesleyan. And your Malone's football program got shut down in 2018, after the fall of 2018, correct? Because I, I remember you came in for spring workouts right after my freshman, our freshman year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um yeah, what was that transition like going from Malone to here? Uh, the transitioning was a bit challenging because I would say, although Malone University was a Christian school, but uh, just just different aspects. You know, you come here, different coaches, obviously, different type of guys you're around, uh, people from different many places all over around the world, and just the school setting aspect of it. I'll I, I'll say the the most ch- challenging part about the transitioning from Malone to here was uh, the the academics here were way harder than they were at Malone, so. Gotcha. Well, I mean, at least at least that at least that's good. Like the only thing that was difficult was the academics. I mean, that's I mean, well, Iwu is known for its um for its academics, but also obviously known for sports, and that's kind of my segue into what I'm bringing you here for. So obviously, I prefaced this with you earlier, but I want to use this podcast and give you a platform to kind of just share your experiences with racism and discrimination as, you, as you've as you grown up and how it shaped you into the man you are today. And I know you've explained that, you've explained some experiences to me, but I know there's definitely more about your story that I haven't heard. Um, but we'll get into that later. I want to 
ask you a little bit, just more figuring about who you are as a person. I'll ask you a little bit more questions. Um, what is, um, do you have, do you have any brothers and sisters? I do. I have two brothers and two sisters. Two, all right. Two of each. That's awesome. And you're, um, go ahead and explain to me just like, you know, about your parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, everything. Just tell, tell me as much or as little as you want to about them. Yeah, uh, my grandmother, she she was the one that raised me uh, while my mom was uh, in America fighting for a better life. So it's kind of weird uh, when I first got to America and I was like, oh, shoot, like I'm living with my mother. You know, like that's my actual mother. Because you're used to living with your grandma. With, with my grandma. Yeah, yeah. So it was like it was a bit to get adjusted to. But she, my grandma raised me, honestly. Uh, she raised me. Uh, I, I didn't have a father figure growing up in the household, so. My grandmother was all I know then. Uh, coming to Florida, now I'm having to live with my mother. It was a bit challenging at first because I didn't know. Who, like, Obviously, she came here to find a better life, which is good for me. But just not having her there, I, I always see my grandmother as a as a mother figure. And even then, when me and my mom's talking, I always, we always like make jokes and stuff like that. I'm like, you're not my mom. Like, My grandma's my mom. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, just be, just because you you were familiar with your grandma, you weren't necessarily familiar with your mom, even though she was your mom. Mm-hmm. You your mother figure in your household was your grandma because that's who you were staying with. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, that's awesome. Uh, next up, describe to me your hometown. I'm I mean I know you're from Naples, but before Naples, you grew up in Haiti. Was it uh, Port Au Prince that you grew up in? Yeah, I grew okay. up in Port au Prince, Haiti. Uh, my grandma's from the the villages. So in the summer, we'll go to the villages in Haiti. Uh, it's called Mauj Aiti, which means when you translate it to English, it means red dirt because that's all you see is just red dirt. Yeah. Gotcha. And then what about what about Naples? I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with Florida. You know, every time everyone and their mother in Indiana has gone to Florida for some sort of vacation before and have gone to Naples um, in that area. But tell me what um, what it was like growing up in Naples just overall. Because w- what age were you when you got to Naples? I was 12 years old, so I was in eighth grade coming in, just going to middle school, and honestly, everything was different, because I'll say Naples is more, Naples is, is kind of different, because you got, uh, it's it's diverse, but it's really not diverse, because uh, certain places you'll go, and it's diverse, and certain places you, you go, it's like, okay, like, I have to be careful, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. It, was, it was a nice environment growing up there. That's good. I mean, I know I, I kind of feel um, that, you know, it's diverse, but not diverse. Like Indianapolis is has so many different cultures around it. But I lived on the south side of Indianapolis growing up, eventually moved to the west side. South side is probably at least 95% white. I mean, there's certain areas you go to, it's a lot more dense in terms of the, in terms of the amount of diversity you see but some areas it's like all you see is all you see is white and a little and the west side is just a little bit less severe but it's still pretty it's still pretty much predominantly white yeah and uh same thing with naples kind of that's what we're like picking back and forth like you go to marco island or estero all you see is just like 95 98 white but now you go to naples manor it's like okay now you get your mexicans you get your haitians uh, Cubans, so all over, all these races just combined. But it's yeah, that's, that's gotcha. Um, and then now, okay, now that I n- understand that, um, thank you for telling me about your hometown and everything, your demographics, just so I kind of know where you came from better. But um, to move on now into the more 
uh, serious aspect of this podcast, as I alluded to earlier, it's about your experiences with racism and discrimination um, and how it shaped you into who you are today. Um, and so I'm going to ask this as a very broad question, but and you can be as broad or specific as you want with your answer. Um, how have you experienced or encountered racism and discrimination in the past? And you can point to specific instances or you can say you can group things together under like one kind of large umbrella. So, I mean, just it's kind of up to you how you answer. Like in a school, this school setting or like just overall? Yeah, school in, in the town, uh, but anywhere. Yeah, in any setting you can you can split it up if you want. You could say, well, in the town it was like this and school is like this, oh, anything. Yeah. I'll start with by saying like racism has is something that's that's been new to me because uh growing up, you know, I grew up in Haiti not having to experience racism, right? So I've always hear people just talk about racism, but I'm like, there's no way this is real, you know? Because uh, the country I grew up in, it was pr- predominantly like black people. So uh, my first interaction with racism was when I first got to America, actually. Uh, I would say like, uh, I remember uh, coming back from school that time I was a freshman at Malone. And... Uh, you're driving all the way down from Ohio. Driving back to all the way back. So basically, I got to Florida, right? It was on a Sunday. So Monday, I'm like, dude, I can't, I just can't stay home and just not do anything. My mom's like, you should rest. I'm like, nah, I, I should probably get some workout in. So me and my cousin, uh, we drove to the park. Uh, Florida is like 10, 11, 12 o'clock. People are still outside. Lights are on. So we went to the park. We went to go work out. At, um, at, at night? At night. Okay, okay. So then we went to the park to just get some field work, and as we're coming back, uh, I got pulled over. And as I got pulled over, uh, it was a cop that stopped me. He was like, and I, he approached me and was like, hey, do, do you know, like, your head taillights was out? I said, honestly, man, I didn't know. It was out. There's no way I could figure out it's out. And the next question I got was, do you have any guns in the car? I'm like, dude. There's no way I have no gun in the car. I don't have no gun in the car. And he proceeded with, oh, I know you're in the gang. Uh, do you have any weed in the car? Like, Just right right off the jump. Right off the jump. Oh, my gosh. So questions after questions after questions. Mind you now, uh, I have no phones to record him because my phone don't have charge. So now I'm like, okay. Uh, next thing I know, I'm like, he's answering. I'm like, sir, I don't have anything in my car. Oh, I know you're in the gang. I'm like, dude. I don't even come back to my hometown like that. You know, I'm up. I'm a football player, so I most of my time spent in Ohio. So now, how like how are we getting all these questions? You know, and he was like, just "Step out the car." He he was just profiling you from the start, basically. So the next night, I know he called his backups, and his backup came, and just I had now there was four cops that came. So each each window. So then, uh, so uh, as. As they they came in, they started getting more hostile. So I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going on. And the next thing I knew, like four guns from four win- different windows was just pointed at me and my cousins. And were you driving or were you in the passenger seat? I was driving. Okay. My cousin was in the passenger seat. So uh, I was more worried about him because I'm like, you know, he's like, he, he's a senior in high school. That time I was a freshman. So I was like trying to like look out for him more. But when you got four guns pointed at you, you know, you're you're almost like you're you're, you're shocked and free. So they got me out the car. You can't necessarily think straight. No. I mean, especially I mean, 
obviously, I mean, whenever you get questioned by a cop, whether no matter if you're black or white, you're immediately going to be like, oh, okay, what's what, what's going to happen? Like, why did I get pulled over? Like, it's just the stigma that being pulled over kind of brings to you. But specifically as a black man, it's like, okay, I got to be really careful. Like, for me, if I were to get pulled over and I just, you know, kept my hands on the steering wheel, he tells me, yeah, you know, your front headlight's out. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. And he'd talk to me for a minute or two, be like, all right, just make sure you get it fixed. But then for you, it was a completely different situation. Completely different from broken tail lights to me being in a gang, me having weed, me me having a gun in my car. So like he pull us out, put us in handcuffs. Okay. He he took us out, put us in handcuffs. We're in the back of his car. I remember at that time I texted Coach Alton the next day and I told him what happened. It was like mm-hmm. he, he he was like in shock. So when they got us out the car, you know, they did whatever they did, searched the car, nothing happened. They didn't find nothing, which I didn't have anything on me, you know. So uh, once they did that, they were looking at each other like, oh, I'm going to get you next time. Really? Yeah. So that was like my first incident with that. It was not my first incident, but it was. it was To that degree. To that degree. Okay. You know. Yeah. And I remember uh, a second time uh, of me, you know, it was like I was in high school, so. I spoke English, but it was not as as I'm speaking it right now. So there's a lot of things I, I didn't understand about this country, like people's microaggression and all that. So here I am in this neighborhood where, you know, it's a gated community neighborhood. Uh, to some people, I don't look like I belong there. So here I am uh, just walking around, and uh, there's this lady that's walking around, and she was like, she asked me a question, hey, how long have you been living there? I'm like, well... You know, I've been living there for about six months and all that. And she, she proceeded by asking me. She said, you don't look like you belong here. And I got the cops called on me, you know, because I don't look like I belong in just, this. Just from that simple response of you saying, well, it wasn't even a response. It was just the lady asked you a question. And, you, like, would you guess how old this woman was? Around 50 years. Okay. Yeah, it was like middle-aged woman. Mm-hmm. Asking you how long you've lived here, and you said eh, about six months. She said you don't you don't look like you belong here. You said no more than five words, mm-hmm. and got the cops called on you just because of your response to that question. And obviously, the demeanor and mindset of this woman was completely out of the ordinary and completely wrong. Yeah, and, and how you look too. I'll say like, you know, here I am, this big black guy, you know, just talking to her. Just in a professional manner, but she she didn't perceive me as someone who could afford to live in an area like this. So, just got the call, call, cops called on me. The cops came. Obviously, nothing happened because I do live there. Right. And even, even if I did not live there, nothing would have happened. Yeah, there's there's nothing <laughs> saying that like, hey, you can't be walking in this neighborhood. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's a gated community, but there's sidewalks. Like, I mean, what's what's wrong with me going for a stroll or something? But, um, yeah. God, that's. That sucks, man. Seriously. I mean, I know you've told me that story before, but um, not to that extent or not to that detail. And, I mean, that that's something that I have never dealt with, nor will I ever deal with, which I'm thankful for that. But I know for for other people and for you, that's something that you always have to keep in the back of your mind. Like, if you, you get pulled over – pulled over for speeding if i were to get pulled over for speeding it's like ah crap yeah i was going 15 over whatever 
you get pulled over for speeding, it's like, okay, I can't make any sudden movements just because of the stigma that's put on black people in America. And I'll say it's like, it's more than just like, like, uh, an interaction with cops. It's more like, I remember I was talking to this, to this girl, uh, was it when COVID happened, mm-hmm. right? Very great girl. And we, you know, we just started getting to know each other. Then as I'm getting to know her, you know, I, as a black man, I always want to ask questions like, because I know like racism is still alive. So I was talking to her. I was like, Hey, like, uh, are your parents okay with the whole black and white thing? And and that's a legitimate question to ask. Cause unfortunately there are still some people who have mixed views on, um, on interracial relationships. I mean, even just yesterday, there's a Senator from, uh, Indiana who was asked about, who was asked who was asked about interracial marriages and he said a super controversial response to it and like even today in 2022 where everything is like emotionally heightened like everything is you got to you got to be really careful with what you're saying got to be real careful with what you're doing there's still stuff like this going on and it's just so upsetting yeah and basically she was like yeah my parents were totally fine with that right so here i am <laughs> i'm like okay everything's fine no, here I am about to meet this girl's parent for the first time. Then uh, she said, well, I don't think my dad's okay with this because my dad don't feel like uh, basically uh, I should have any uh, mixture in the family. So he doesn't want any black, supposedly mixed black babies in the family. So he was like, no, nah, I don't, I probably, she probably shouldn't go after me, and when she was, she was like, that's who I like. But then he threatened her. He was like, well, if, if you go after this guy, your school will be paid for. If you go after this guy, uh, your shoes won't be paid for. The car I just got you, I'm taking that away from you. So it's more than, I, I'll say it's just more, it's more than just like interaction with like police officers. Right. It's, 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 a, it's a whole broad, it's like, it's a big broad subject. Yeah. And that's, and that kind of mixes in with what I was about to ask. But before I go on, like, I mean that you having to deal with those interactions are something that no no one should ever have to deal with, regardless of their race or ethnicity or whatever they identify with. No one should ever have to worry about. Oh, you're dating someone like me going like I, I could imagine going to my parents like, hey mom, I met this. Just telling my parents about it. I, I met this incredible woman. She's super nice. Met her at school. Loves Jesus. All this stuff. And then they're like, oh, that's awesome. Can't wait. And then they meet her for the first time, and if she were black, they would – not saying they would do this. I'm, like, speaking completely hypothetical here. But, like, if my if my parents were somehow to be like, oh, see, I don't like that, specifically just because of something they can't – something that you can't control. That – I mean, that's an issue. And I obviously you would agree on that, mm-hmm. but – I mean, like for you, it's like you were trying to find love in someone, love in another human companion, and because of your skin color, it was air quote forbidden, just because lack. I, I don't know what else to say, but it, it wasn't allowed by her parents, and that's just that just sucks, man. But, um, but thank you for sharing with yeah. that. But specifically, I want to talk about Naples, um, because I know you said in Port-au-Prince it was almost completely. Black people, correct? Okay. And in Naples, and you were talking about earlier, it's about, it's some areas are predominantly white, some areas are more so heavily, 
and densely diverse. What would you say if you had a guess, just like the percentage, whites to black, Mexican, Hispanic, whatever, what, what would you think the percentages of white people in Naples? I'll say it's 70, 70% okay. white. Then you got your Haitians. I'll say around 15% Haitians. Uh, it's, 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 you have a bunch of different Cubans, uh, Mexicans. Uh, yeah, you have, it's, it's, there's so many races there where I can't really give you like yeah, yeah, yeah. a whole percentage, but I know yeah. white people, there's, there's a bunch of that's, white people that live. Yeah, that's fine. But what was it, would you say that the racial climate in terms of, you know, how, um, other races treat each other, how white people treat black people, how black people treat white people, Mexicans, Hispanics, Cubans, um, whatever. Would you say the racial climate is hostile or under control for the most part? I'll say it's it's more hostile. Okay, more hostile because although like like some like some some of those uh, some of those white people like they are cultured and uh, they are, they they understand because they they have different cultures around them. But uh, for the most part, I'll say that it's just like knowing where to go and knowing where not to go at a certain time because you can't be walking in Marco Island in this neighborhood at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and someone see you for them not to call the cops on you. You know, it's just like for them, you don't belong there. And it's it's obviously uh, upsetting and stuff like that, but that's how they view it. You just don't look like someone that belongs there, you know. Florida, you know the the. Which is crazy for Florida because you see everything in Florida, uh-huh. like not just in terms of, um, ethnicities and races, but like, I mean, there are crazy people that live in Florida. I mean, you see, I mean, you go to Florida and anything that you think you will never see in your life, you somehow you will see. see in Florida. Florida people are crazy. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have you seen the thing where. Um, Wrestling like, the alligator. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was like a trend where you could uh, search Florida man or Florida woman and then your birthday and some crazy headline shows up. Have you seen that before? Yeah. I, I can't remember. Actually, I'm, I'm about to look this up right now. Um, <laughs> let's see. February 17th, Florida man. I want to see what the first headline is. Uh, first headline. February 17th, 2020. Florida man causes thousands of dollars worth of property damage trying to kill demons. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Wait, well, hold on. What's your, what's your birthday? November twenty eighth. November twenty. Let's see what it happens for you. November twenty eighth, Florida man. Okay, I can't say this over the air, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll let you read it. I'll let you read the top headline. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, for people listening, um, I apologize, but that's not something I'm comfortable with reading on air. Um, <laughs> okay, here, well, you know what? Here, here's one that's not as bad, but man arrested after cutting kittens' tails off. Now, that's just cruel. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry. That, that was a weird tangent to go on. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, getting, getting, getting back on topic. Um, I want to transition back to your experiences with discrimination. And I want to go through as you've gotten older. Um, now, I know you said you didn't come to, to America until you were 12, correct? Mm-hmm. So that was when you were in middle school. So from middle school to high school to where you are right now on 
March 23rd of 2022. How has your, A, experience, what have your experiences of racism been like as you've gotten older? And B, how has your understanding of racism gotten older or gotten as you've gotten older? That's a great question. I'll say as you get older, uh, you just learn that basically, uh, I remember when I was, me and Coach Aldrin had this uh, uh, thing going on. It's called United. And he was talking about racism. And uh, through like through my past experiences of racism, I, f- I feel like one of the things that he really pointed out and that I could really relate to was just like our experiences and how we extend grace to one another. Uh, I'll say as I got older, I realized that people are going to be people, right? But uh, just but just, just by sitting down with someone, having a conversation with someone, could change someone's perspective uh, about it. Obviously, I feel like we there's progress, but there still needs to be work that needs to be done within that topic itself. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of my goal with this is I'm an ignorant white male who wants to learn more about what it means. Well, I, I mean, I, I want to learn what it is like being a black man in America so I can relate to you and, and other black people. But also I want to understand, you know, my position of privilege that I'm in. How can I, you know, remove myself from that pedestal and understand, you know, I mean, because we're called to love our neighbor by Jesus. And how can I do that if I'm not working to understand um, just all the different experiences that you've had um, that you should not have had? Just, I mean, you're human, just like you, like if you, you cut my wrist, I bleed the same blood that you, that you'll bleed if I were to cut your wrist Mm -hmm. and everything. The whole reason this is an issue is just, I mean, I, I, it's, it's just so confusing because the only reason there is like the whole premise of racism is because you don't look like me, and, <laughs> and I think I'm superior. Yeah, and that's and that that's just not the way to carry out any form of relationship or even conversation. Like if I were to come into this conversation with you and be like, like, listen, Guardy, you're 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 gonna you're gonna listen to me, <laughs> and I'm gonna dictate the conversation. Which I mean, okay, I'm asking you questions, but I'm not telling you what to say or telling you how to feel. It's like it's not script. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is yeah, it's completely unscripted, which is the beautiful thing. Uh-huh. Beautiful thing about this, like we've been talking for twenty five minutes right now, and I'm halfway through what I want to talk to you about, and I know we'll talk about more. Um, and it's it's like it's people who come forward and want to share their experiences, like you, like um, like Josh, like Jameis, like Tommy, like Mario, like Donnie, and other other people that I'll talk to, are the reason why I love doing this like obviously i'm i'm doing this to to serve as a school as a project but more than that i want to do this as a way to develop relationships with people that i already have friendships with Mm -hmm. like you and i like you were a communication major at once Mm -hmm. and obviously we play football together and i've gotten to know you through just simple interactions but i mean after after this i don't know 40, 45 minute conversation we're going to have. Like, I'm going to learn, I'm going to know more about you than I have in two and a half years of knowing you. Mm -hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about this. I mean, only halfway through this conversation and Gardy has already spilled so many impactful things that happened to him. Up to this point, this was the longest conversation I had with anyone and its impact on me personally was extreme. 
The best part, there's still another half of our conversation to listen to. Keep on listening to hear the second part of our conversation.